The first reading today is from James chapter 1, reading from verse 17 to 27. We're reading this from the message version of the Bible. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger strangle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with a word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air, and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand for the gospel reading as Mandy brings that to us. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, 
This people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please have a seat. Tough readings today. <laughs> um, we're beginning today looking at the um, letter of James. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of background about him before we begin. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And to start with, he was quite sceptical about him. In fact, there's a story in the Bible where some of Jesus' brothers and sisters come and find him and they drag him out from the house where he's teaching. And I think, it doesn't say, but I think they're trying to sort of calm him down, stop him from making quite so much of a fuss and a scene, and maybe bring him back home to start up his carpentry again. They're certainly concerned for him. But James goes on to be a passionate follower and believer of Jesus. He becomes a key leader in the early church in Jerusalem, and he writes this letter uh, to the it says to God's people scattered all over the world. So not a particular church, but all churches and all people belonging to God. So that includes you and me. But it is a tough letter. And the aim of it really is a wake-up call to um, galvanise believers into action. And it's a little bit like an alarm clock. Oh, I've gone too fast. Uh, which reminded me when I thought of an alarm clock of my son going to cub camp many years ago now. The dads and lads went cub camping and our Kayla had this huge alarm clock which she set up to wake all the boys up at some unearthly hour, probably 7.30 or something in the morning. Now, of course, being camping, most of the boys were wide awake anyway and so were the dads. All except my son, David. He was sleeping happily in his tent, oblivious to the alarm call, so they carried the alarm clock round to the side of the tent to where they thought his head roughly was, and ding ling 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 still nothing. So, I don't know how loud this is going to be on the microphone. Then they got out saucepans and, and started banging. That's not too bad. I hope that's not too bad at home. <laughs> banging saucepans around. And with that and my husband going back in and literally shaking him, they got him to wake up. He was just very comfortable in his, in his tent, unlike I would never be comfortable in a tent. Uh, but that is roughly, I think that is what James is doing here. He's actually getting us by the shoulders and shaking us and saying, wake up, stop slumbering, stop lying around, get up, do something. And I say, this is a challenging letter, 
Um, and there are some challenges this morning, but hopefully they're gentle challenges and you're not going to go home feeling I've beaten you over the head with my saucepan. The reading begins with James addressing um, the people who have been making some excuses for, um, for sinning, basically. And there's a word, some words we use in one of our confessions where we say, forgive us for the things we've done that we shouldn't have done, but also for the things we should have done and didn't do. And I think that's what James is addressing. And the people have come up with all sorts of excuses, which we would have today. Oh, everyone's doing it. I was tired. It's not my fault. He made me do it. Uh, And the most interesting one is some of them actually believed that God was deliberately trying to trip them up and trick them into misbehaving, into not doing his will. And James says, no, why would God do that? God wants you to live his way. Why would he try and trick you into doing the opposite? And the reading says, there is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced. God wouldn't do that. So the question remains, what is the source of our wrongdoing? And the gospel reading brings that to the fore beautifully. Because Jesus says, it's not what goes into your body, it's not how... Much, how many rituals you do that make you clean. It's what comes out. He says, This people humour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. I hope that my heart is never that far from God, but I suspect sometimes it is. But I don't want it to be. I want it to be close. And he calls them hypocrites and he says, look at you, you're great with all your rituals on the outside and, you know, all your cleansing stuff and dressing up nice to go to the temple, putting your money in the collection plate, singing loudly. That's all lovely, but actually what's important is what's inside. And the other day I was cutting through an apple to chop it up and it was a beautiful red rosy apple, but the inside was completely rotten. Um, It looked lovely on the outside, but on the inside, not so good. That is more or less what he's saying here. He's saying that every evil action originates in our hearts. That actually, the little thought we have, if we allow it to germinate and we spend time dwelling on it and thinking, how can I get even with that person? Uh, It can grow and grow, and before we know it, we may well have acted on it. It all originates in our heart. And going back to James, he says, don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on the anger, the resentments, the bitterness. Don't let them take over your heart. Instead, focus on God. And the message says, he sends the gifts are like rivers of light cascading down from the Father of lights. I can just imagine this curtain of, well, it's almost like rain, but blessings, the goodness of God coming down. Focus on these things. Don't worry about getting revenge for the person who who slammed the door in your face yesterday. Don't worry about that. That's not important. Focus on Jesus. And that's where the mirror comes in. And if I said to you, 8 o'clock has managed this all right. If I said to you, mirror, mirror on the wall, how would you respond? Who's the fairest of them all? Right. Well, the mirror in this instance, I want you to imagine that, like me, you love chocolate cake. And while you've been eating it, you've got just a little bit of chocolate on your face, okay? What am I going to... Oh, I'm going to have to... Mm, Right, okay. You've got some chocolate on your face. And then you see a mirror. And as you walk past it, you go, oh, I've got 
chocolate on my face. What do you do? You get a cloth out and you wipe it off. You don't walk away and forget about it because you've just seen it in the mirror. But James is saying we often become just like that, walking away, leaving the mess still on show. And the mirror in this instance is God's word. God's word gives us a picture of how God wants us to live, but it also gives us a picture of Jesus. He is our rabbi, our teacher. And the disciples in those days would have followed their rabbi around, watching what he did, watching every move he made, and learning to imitate him, to copy him. And that is our job too, to imitate Christ, to be more and more like him. I think that's where the word Christian comes from. I think it's mini Christ, little Christians, little Christs. That's what we're called to be. But that can be difficult. And we need to be open to make our hearts close to Jesus like he's asking us to. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's correction. Maybe he's saying to you, Mandy, should you really still be muttering and and murmuring and thinking bad things about that person who cut you up on the motorway just now. Let it go. Or maybe he's saying, Mandy, should you be doing that? Just because everybody else is breaking the lockdown rule, should you be doing that as well? We need to be open to his correction. Sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes we can feel ashamed. But we need to be open to listening to the Holy Spirit as he gently corrects us. And as he does that, we might look in the mirror and go, chocolate? Oh, I think I'll wipe that off. Oh dear, it's not going to come off now. Quite a nice look. <laughs> um, we can allow him to correct us. Hopefully, generally gently, but sometimes it can be a bit tougher than that. If we don't look in the mirror, if we don't look in the mirror and then see it and do something about it, if we don't um, put our faith into action, we're a bit like... Um, an Olympic athlete. Now, we've got cyclists, BMXs, and some wheelchair racers here. They're just to name but a few. Imagine if um, I'm watching the Olympics now, and I go, right, that was fantastic. Uh, Three years till Paris, I can do that. I'm going to become an Olympic athlete. And I go home, and I sit on my sofa, and I think, I'm going to order some books off Amazon, wheelchair racing, I'm going to do that, I'm going to build up my arm muscles. Right, I'm going to... So I order some how how to be a wheelchair racer on Amazon. I get the books, I read them, I eat a bit more chocolate, a few more crisps. I'll watch them YouTube videos as well so I can see how they do it, pick up their technique. And I sit and I watch the videos. And I spend three years watching the videos, reading the book and eating crisps on my sofa. How am I going to do? Not too well. Not too well at all. Because actually these athletes here, their whole lifestyle reflects their heart's desire. And their heart's desire is to be an Olympian, to get to those games and hopefully to win a medal. But listening to some of them, they just want to get there. Actually, a lot of them this week, I've listened to them, particularly the Paralympians, and they're so proud to just have got themselves there. But they, their whole lifestyle changes. Their diet, their social life, their training, everything revolves around this goal, and everybody can see that. And that is what James is saying. If our heart's desire is to be like Christ and to follow him, our whole lifestyle should reflect it. And everyone should be able to see it. The Message Bible talks about him creating a salvation garden of our lives. And that is from listening to the Holy Spirit 
and acting on our faith. It should affect our attitudes and our actions. But before I finish, or go on, um, just to say that um, James is not saying that if you're really good and you do lots of good things, that you're going to get into heaven. He believes, as well as we do, that actually the only way to get eternal life is through the goodness and the grace of God. And it's through that alone and through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Nothing else gets us there. No amount of good works would get us there. He believes that too, just as much as we do. But what he's saying is that that the overflow of that and our love and gratitude to God should show in how we how we act. In other words, don't just sit there looking holy. Get up and do something. But stay here for now. (laughs) Uh, Now this brings me on to uh, how I want to finish, which was to talk to you about a modern day hero of faith of mine. Um, I. I'll introduce him to you first, but he personifies the book of James. This is Pastor Ernesto and his wife, Josefina. And he was a pastor in Brasilia. And actually, quite a few of our church have been out to Brazil because I got to know them through our crusader group, and we formed a link with them, which used to meet here uh, when I was a, a youth worker in the group. And we used to send work parties out each summer to go and help do building work for him. And I know that Ali Heath has been out, Andy Lake, um, Kate Chambers, and a few others as well have actually been out there. I only met him once when he and Josephina came to the UK to thank their supporters and to drum up some more. And it was one of the few times in my life when I was completely in awe of somebody. I didn't know what to say at all. I mean, I needed an interpreter to start with because I, I don't speak Portuguese, but... I almost wanted to not bow down and worship him, but I really felt so humble to be in his presence because he just personified the love of Jesus so much. Let me tell you a bit about him. So they were pastors, oh, he was a pastor of a huge Pentecostal church in Brasilia back in the late 60s and early 70s. It was a prestigious job. He, um, Bimby gets respect for being vicar, but pastor in um, Brasilia was huge respect from everybody around. I think you deserve more than you get, Bimbi. But over there, it was really was a very prestigious job. It was a secure job. Um, he, he lived in a nice area. He was well respected. Everything was good. And then one day, the police came to him and they said, we have become aware of about 100 boys who are being cared for by a gang. And basically, they were being abused, exploited, they were malnourished and neglected and in grave danger of ending up on the streets where there were also many other children. And I'm sure you'd have heard stories before about street children in Brazil and their plight. The police came to Pastor Ernesto and said, can you and your church help? So he went to his church and he said, he explained the situation, said, come on, we can help, can't we? And the church said no. The church said no. Uh, It's complicated. These are difficult situations. It's dangerous, which it was. And it's going to take up a lot of your time. And you can't be pastor of our big church and look after these children. You will have to choose. Now, before we get all... um, Oh, I fancy that. I'll never say no. I'm just trying to imagine this morning if Bimbi came in and said... I've got 100 refugees from Afghanistan and I need to get them into our church. Would you help? 
it's a similar situation, and I hope and pray we'd say yes, but we'd all stop and think. So it's easy to condemn this church, but actually we all have to think through how we'd react. Anyway, the pastor, obviously, he chooses the boys, and he finds a disused bus garage, and he gets them all in there, and to start with, he looks after them there, somehow or other. But eventually, an elderly lady donates him a huge piece of land outside of Brasilia. And he sets about building. He has to use donations from Brazil, and he also gets support from people in the UK and other countries as well. He first of all has to build a nine-kilometre road or dirt track to get to this place. But eventually, he builds a school, he builds dormitories, kitchens, uh, a bakery, all sorts of things. This is actually the second church they built there, um, canteens. And after 25, 30 years, it's quite a big place. But it all takes a lot of time and a huge step of faith. And he welcomed boys and girls of all ages. Many of them actually had parents. They weren't all orphans, but they were in such extreme poverty, the parents couldn't care for them anymore. And they were going out onto the streets The pastor, I believe, read James. I'm sure he did. And verse 25, it says, Whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is a man or woman of action. I think that Pastor Ernesto and Josephina, between them, they caught a glimpse. They could see what the future was likely to be for these children, which was a life on the streets which would end in crime, poverty, and quite often death. But he also caught a glimpse of what it could be like if they experienced the love and security of God. He caught a glimpse out of the corner of his eye and he went with it. And in fact, he became, um, he and Josephina became parents almost to over 3,000 children over the course of 30, 40 years. They had so many come through their doors. Some just for a short while, some for longer. Some stayed for life because they were what are called exceptionals in Brazil, which are disabled or handicapped children who were never going to integrate back into society. But he laid aside what... The world would put up a mirror, I think, and they'd have put up a mirror to the pastor, and they'd have said, look, you've got a secure job, you've got respect, you've got money, you've got position in society... And he laid all of that to one side and put his faith into real action. Verse 27, reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. He could easily have said, somebody else would do it. Go and ask someone else. But he didn't. And he definitely reached out to the homeless. Sadly, the pastor died this last week. He died on Wednesday and his funeral was Thursday, which is how I was wrestling with these readings. And then I went, he's who I need to talk about. (laughs) Um, And I know, and Josephine is not too well herself, but I know both of them, as they are well, pastors, he's welcomed home now. Josephine in the future, I know that they will be welcomed home as good and faithful servants. And their example to me, so I met them for about two, three minutes, but they've had a huge impact on my life and to thousands of others too. Anyway, we're probably not all going to go and set up a farm somewhere. (laughs) Um, So what about us as we finish? 
James is always Mr. Practical, and I've got a few tips from the book of James for us. Our wake-up call. The first one, then, is to listen. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, not just as he calls you into action, but actually as he asks you to look at your own heart, and me too, look at our hearts and see how can I imitate Christ more. The second one is to look up and look around. Where are the needs around you? Where does God want you to be his hands and feet? Where does he want you to take action? And is it actually going to cost you something? Because it might. It might be you need to lay something down. And the third one is to look out. The end of that reading says, be on your guard. Don't get corrupted by the world around us. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to fall in with what everyone else is doing and to think this is the normal now. This is fine. Look out for um, getting stained by the world. So, three things. Listen, look up, and look out. And I'm going to finish by praying the words of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 over us, because I think they just sum this all up perfectly. And I pray that, although this might have been a challenge, I pray that it's a blessing for you too. Don't go away thinking you've been hit over the head by my saucepan. Just spotted some chocolate on my finger. Let us pray. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Amen.